welcome to Code Together, an interview series exploring the possibilities of cross-architecture development with those at the forefront. I'm your host, Brenda Christopher. Today's topic focuses on research being done with Ginkgo, a production-ready, sparse linear algebra library used for high-performance computing on GPU architectures. Ginkgo was designed with a high level of performance portability and focuses on software sustainability. It is also using One API, which is an open cross-architecture programming model. Joining us today is Hartwig Ants. Hartwig is a group leader at Karlsruhe Institute of Technology, which we'll refer to as KIT, and a research scientist at the University of Tennessee. Welcome, Hartwig. Thanks for having me. Our next guest is Terry Koji. Terry is a lead developer of Ginkgo Software at KIT and supports modern parallel programming paradigms and HPC technologies. Terry, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Our third guest is George Silva. George is a program manager for Intel Academic Programs for One API. George is also a developer, and he's been at Intel for nine years. Great to have you with us, George. Good morning. Thank you. So let's get started. Hartwig, could you share with us some details about the Ginkgo project? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to do so. So as you already mentioned, Ginkgo is designed as a math library. And even though it is focusing on GPUs, from the beginning on, portability was one of the key concepts. And if you look at the code, it is actually very well reflected that we have a core that contains all the algorithms and all the library infrastructure, but all the core is useless without the actual backends. So the backends that we then deploy for different hardware architectures. And historically, we started with a CUDA backend because when we started Ginkgo, NVIDIA GPUs was basically what most of the users had access to. But over the time, that has changed. And now we are also looking into other GPU architectures, and in particular, also the Intel GPU architectures that will be coming up. I think having that performance portability in mind was one of the success concepts in Ginkgo. And we're very positive that this concept of decoupling the algorithms from the kernels that form the backend is actually the right decision to do if we also want to run on future hardware architectures that maybe look totally different from what we have today. And the One API ecosystem has proven to be a very powerful and useful option for us to actually target different architectures that are all supported by One API and the DPC++ ecosystem. In particular, when we extended our effort going from CUDA to our other hardware architectures, we learned a lot of lessons and we actually really understood. It's also important to actually acknowledge that other programming models may be needed for other GPU architectures. And in that step, it was also very, very helpful to actually get support from those who are behind the One API ecosystem. And we have to acknowledge that we got a lot of help from Intel. And we also got a lot of help of the developers, of the compilers, and so on. And that allowed us to have a very smooth transition. Nevertheless, of course, there are some obstacles when moving from one backend architecture to another backend architecture. Fortunately, the process of moving from one to the other was simplified by actually tools that were available from Intel. And one of these very useful tools was the DPC++ compatibility tool that is offered by Intel and that is free for everyone and that can be used to actually convert 
CUDA code into code that can be executed in the One API ecosystem. But even with that tool, we had some obstacles. And I think Terry can give a lot of details about what these obstacles actually were. Yeah. So before going into that precisely, I think it's good to know that DPC++ compatibility tool helps developers a lot in porting their code to the One API framework in the sense that when you convert your code, it tries its best to convert every feature from CUDA to One API or DPC++ previously, which are two very different languages. So it translates your source file from CUDA code to SQL code. And when it fails to do so, you get a nice warning saying, oh, I was not able to convert that feature here. Maybe you want to take a look at that precise aspect and those lines of code. So you need a manual fix for that. And nonetheless, it's able to port maybe 80, 90%, maybe more of the features. But of course, there is some parts where it can be a bit lacking. So before diving into those precise aspects, I think it's important to know that the main Ginkgo porting workflow, which was also developed for the first time when we ported from CUDA to HIP, we had a similar experience and we were able to define a fairly straightforward workflow, which we could reuse for one API porting. And what we basically do is that it's in three small steps, well, small, I guess that depends. We first add a new non-working backend. As we said, we have multiple backends like CUDA, OpenMP, for CPUs, and so on. And what we do is we add a new non-working backend with stub kernels, but main features of the library so that we can execute on the device and other features which all parts of the code rely on. Afterwards, we manually port little by little every single kernel and functionality from CUDA to the target language, in that case, D++ and SQL. So that part is somewhat automatic. And of course, the final part is coming back to everything that we ported and tune the performance manually finding the potential parts where performance is lacking and need some more work. Yeah, that's the main overview of the workflow. Challenge in that maybe we have to mention is that One API supports a lot of different hardware architectures. And the different hardware architectures differ, for example, in the workgroup size, in the subgroup size, and so on. And the challenge is now that we want to have a backend that not only runs on all these hardware architectures, but that also gives very good performance on all these hardware architectures. And that is somewhat different from the CUDA approach, where you have the GPUs from NVIDIA that all have very similar characteristics. So they all have a warp size of 32. But now all the different hardware architectures that are supported by one API, you cannot assume that they all have the same warp size or group size or subgroup size. And that was actually a challenging obstacle for us. So we had to find a possibility that we implement these kernels and instantiate these kernels, and they still get a very good performance on different hardware architectures. So Terry and his colleagues have found a very smooth workaround that actually allowed us to encode the hardware characteristics in the signature. And that signature is now used to, during runtime, select the correct kernel while compiling kernels for different hardware architectures at a time. Also important is to notice that the One API ecosystem and DPC++ is built on SQL. And SQL is fundamentally different in the execution model from CUDA. Uh, and maybe Terry can give more details on that. Yes, that's a very good point that DPC++ to CUDA have many differences, which were some of the challenges also during porting, or at least they. Uh, the developer needs to be aware of those differences. 
So one aspect, for, uh, for example, is that uh, Deep Service Plus is task-based. That means that the basic execution model is that everything is asynchronous in some sense, and you have a runtime which automatically will manage memory movements, for example, between CPU and GPU and all of that. So that is, of course, very nice for some libraries which can benefit from that and, and so on. So that's a good usage model. But on the other hand, our library is also used to manual and precise tuning. So we know when to communicate data, where it should arrive, and all of that. And we like to be able to move all data, the data ourselves. And so one good extension that Intel added for that and which allows to follow that model, which is very close to the Coda model, is unified shared memory feature of DPC++, which adds basically functionality for just doing that, copying specific pointer from one place to another. And you can also remove some of the synchronous behavior of the queues, in particular with in-order queues, so that you follow the priorities of your kernels. So using those two features, you're able to get back to a CUDA model somewhat and being able to go back to a CUDA model for our library, which is a very useful aspect. With all that being said and all these challenges, we still have to admit that it took about two months to three months for one experienced programmer to actually generate a working backend for Ginkgo to run on one APR hardware. And I think that is a big success story. And that also shows how comprehensive the porting tools are and how well they are actually also working. One fundamental difference between the one API programming model and other portability layers is that one API basically goes in the direction of open specifications. So the idea is to have one public community-based interface and every vendor and every developer is actually free to implement kernels and functionality for specific hardware following that interface. And I think that is a very big step forward, moving away from the vendor-owned interfaces and in a direction where for the programmers and the application scientists, it's much easier to actually write a code and then use that code on different hardware platforms. So this will certainly make the work much easier for us, much easier for the application specialists. And it is definitely something that is well appreciated by the whole community, not only by us, but also if I'm talking to application specialists, they really like that idea. Of course, there will still be the possibility for vendors to implement their own library following that specifications. And I guess 1MKL provided by Intel is one of these examples. But again, it is possible that someone also implements functionality for Intel GPUs based on DPC++ that provides the same functionality. And it could even be that that functionality outperforms Intel's 1MKL. So we think that this open interface and open standard and open specifications is the right move forward, in particular, if we're looking into an area of increasingly different hardware architectures on the market. Yes, I definitely agree on that topic. I think it's very, also related to that, it's very nice that Intel has all that support behind the scenes for applications which are willing to adopt those standards or port to that with open roundtables on the 1MKL API design with everything being accessible in uh, public repositories and so on. That is one aspect. But on the other hand, there's also the question of how much features we put into that and 
abstractions only carry us so far as they exist. For example, if we want to consider architecture-specific features like TensorCores or any other features such as that we mentioned hardware details like web sizes and key numbers coming directly from each separate GPU, there is a question of how we can have that key information abstracted away in a standard like Deep C++. Yeah, that obviously is a big question. So how much should general portability layers actually buy into those special function units and so on? Of course, we don't want to lose a lot of performance by not supporting them. Like, for example, we don't want to run on GPUs that have tensor cores and just ignore these tensor cores. But at the same time, it gives a lot of burden to the developers of that interface. And it also gives a lot of burden to the application scientists that then use the portability layer by actually understanding all of the technical details, because I cannot use the tensor course unless I really understand what is happening and for which kind of operations they give me good performance. So that is really a challenge. And I think there's no clear answer to that right now. I think it will always be a trade-off. And we also think that the One API Standard Committee has that in mind, and they also think about that. And therefore, I'm positive they will find a middle ground where the features that really are necessary to get performance will be supported, while other features that are probably of minor relevance will be left out. And that is also true for the future. I mean, we don't know what the future will bring, but maybe we will at some point have devices that have like a quantum accelerator or something like that. And that, of course, will be a totally new game to us. And the question is then, how will the standard evolve to also support these aspects? And especially in that context, I think it is very important that the whole community is included in these discussions. So thanks so much for introducing the project and everything the team is doing. So how did you find Intel, One API resources? How did you connect to Intel first time? So what kind of research you're looking for that you had a chance to share more about the project that the research team is doing? So I think the initial contact to that was supercomputing some years ago when it was still in person. And Intel actually announced this One API ecosystem. But later on, what really drove the whole process forward was Intel DevMesh, where I created a project for Ginkgo, and we started a discussion on that. Then we started setting up a call and discussing what are our interests, what are our needs. Intel was very welcoming in terms of supporting us with expert knowledge. So in terms of how the compilers translate things, how are the characteristics, and then we soon got access to the Intel Dev Cloud which actually contains some early hardware devices that are looking similar to what we can expect for the Ponte Vecchio. And getting access to these devices was very helpful in getting actually hands-on experience. How is it running on these products? And I can really recommend researchers to go to devmesh.intel.com and find out about this concept and also start a project there. It's really useful and it worked out well for us. What makes One API different from other portability layers? Is yes, that a big question? I think it did not. The audience might be aware that it was a significant effort by AMD to get portability from CUDA to their GPUs using the HIP ecosystem. So on that topic, I think they actually did a good job in that respect. So it's also open on GitHub. Everything is available for the researchers. It's very close to CUDA, so it's very easy to port to such an ecosystem. But on the other hand, I think that HIP ecosystem 
because it's so close to CUDA, there's also some danger to that ecosystem. Because, for example, what happened after CUDA 11 is that CUDA changed the version, the interfaces of a lot of their API. And suddenly, the portability layer was broken and they need to do significant effort to support the new APIs. But on the other hand, what Intel is doing with C++ and SQL, because there is support of other vendors like Codeplay, for example, which is very invested in the SQL project and allows to execute code on, for example, CUDA hardware directly. And there is also other vendors, including, I believe, AMD itself, as well as the OpenCL portability layer underneath. I think SQL is a nice portability layer in the sense that you can really get a code which you write once and compile once. So it's in terms of uncompiled, sorry, for uh, all architectures. So in terms of portability, I think it's very powerful, and that's a very good feature of that portability layer. Now, the work here at Kit has been quite incredible. George, you work with a number of universities. What do you find is most insightful from the collaborations that you have with them? So working with Wanita universities, we got to learn a lot of different usages they will make of their technology. The idea of one API supporting multiple architectures. So you see uh, amazing projects like Gimco using Intel GPU, but also you have multiple projects like sharing the execution between CPU, FPGAs, and GPUs, like some projects even all together. So it's very exciting to see like one language supporting multiple architectures and let them sharing the execution and get amazing performance out of that, amazing ideas. So that's the most exciting part. And of course, all the feedback that the universities provide to us, help us to get to the next level to one API. So improving all the compilers, the libraries, and getting really to the next level that we need for the hardware to be successful. So it's amazing to learn more on deathmatch.intel.com. We have a number of projects, a lot of professors, they are posting their projects there. So looking forward, Ginkgo will be the numerical core of the EuroHPC project microcard. And that project actually aims at the simulation of the cardiac effect in the human heart to better understand cardiac arrhythmia. And Ginkgo will provide the numerical code. And with this EuroHPC project, having the goal to actually run on the future exascale systems that are procured in Europe and in the US, we are hopeful that the one API portability layer that we currently support in Ginkgo will help in actually getting the performance out of the systems there. Right now, we are already looking into getting performance on pre-exascale hardware that is available in the Intel Dev Cloud. And that is also available in the pre-exascale systems or pre-production systems in Argon. And we have very good experience with using these systems. And therefore, we are positive that the steps we are taking now will help us in getting good performance on Aurora and other Intel-based exascale systems. Yes, so if I can add to that, so far the porting has been quite straightforward and fairly good. Of course, there were a few issues because we were using maybe not too mature of an ecosystem at the beginning. But as soon as we are able to get past that, we already have satisfying performances on the hardware we have access to. So I think we can definitely get good performance in the future on the system for our library. And with uh, good performance, we mean if we're talking about the performance relative to the hardware characteristics, we are actually getting a better performance ratio than on other hardware systems and other GPU hardware. 
In the end, we probably want to also give you a pointer to the Ginkgo repository. And you can find Ginkgo under github.com, ginkgo-project slash Ginkgo. And there you see the current state of the art of the implementation and also the support for DPC++. And you're more than welcome to check out what is there right now, what is coming in the nearby future by looking at the pull requests. And please also give us feedback in terms of what we can improve and what your requirements are in terms of solving sparse linear systems on one API supported hardware. Well, thank you, Hartwig. And Terry, your insights here were really valuable for the audience. And it's been really exciting to hear about your work. Thank you again, Hartwig. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And Terry, thank you so much for some of your technical insights. It's really valuable to hear about the difference that you've had in working with Sickle and One API. Thank you very much. George, I love hearing about the great university research that you and your associates and all of the universities are working on. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And also, I'd like to thank our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's continue the conversation at oneapi.com. 